today, as we start this final installment in the series, we are looking at the topic of disappointment. How to respond to, how to deal with disappointment in healthy and God-honoring uh, ways. And um, like I said, I intended this to be a single-week message, but as I got into preparing for it, I just realized that there was so much that I wanted to share on this topic um, that, that I think we're going to stretch it to two, maybe even three weeks. In fact, if you follow along on your outline today, we're only going to get to letter A. So we're really just going to kind of get started today. Uh, so this is going to become sort of its own mini-series within the larger uh, My Best Advice uh, series. And I'll also mention that we have some fill-in-the-blank sections uh, on your outlines today. At least when I preach, I don't normally do those, so I just wanted to let you know that there are some fill-in-the-blanks there. Uh, I don't think I have to ask for a show of hands uh, to be confident of this, to know without question that every one of us here today have faced disappointment uh, in our lives. It's an experience that's common to all of us. It's simply true that nobody gets through life without facing disappointment. Disappointments come in all shapes and sizes. There's the disappointment of a parent failing to properly acknowledge or celebrate an accomplishment. The disappointment of a hoped-for love interest not reciprocating your interest. I'm sure no one here has ever had that happen, but uh, some people have. Uh, the disappointment of not getting the job or the promotion uh, that you hoped for, uh, the disappointment of a relationship gone bad, and the list could just literally go on and on and on. There's just no end to the varieties of disappointments that people face in life that people uh, experience. I would guess that most of us here today are rather disappointed with the, the state of our nation's politics. And uh, I'm not going to say much about that, so you can be comfortable. But, uh, but the two candidates for office this year, I, I read somewhere within the last couple of weeks that they have the highest disapproval ratings of any candidates to ever run for office in the history of our nation. Think about what a feat that is. <laughs> of all the years and all the candidates, this year we all picked the two people that are the most disliked of all the people who have ever run for president. It's, uh, it's really fascinating. It seems like whatever someone's political views are, where, wherever they fall there, that, that everybody is sort of united in agreeing that we wish we had some different options. And so the, the political landscape is, is very disappointing. There's just so many varieties of disappointment in life. Now I'm going to do something today that's a little bit dangerous. I am going to be transparent enough with you to share some disappointments that I've faced in life. And this is dangerous because while people always say they want their pastors to be authentic and transparent, the reality is that there is an invisible line somewhere that when a pastor crosses that line, the people who applaud transparency and authenticity then begin to boo the pastor for oversharing, being a complainer, or maybe even being a whiner. And so if you're tempted today to accuse me after I get real with you of complaining or whining, remember that what I'm doing is being transparent and real. <laughs> All right? Now, 
You have probably said at some point that you want your pastor or a pastor to be uh, transparent and real. So we are going to give you the opportunity to prove that by actually providing you with authenticity and transparency. Are you excited? You ready to go? All right. Well, I had a number of disappointments as I tried to transition into a vocational ministry path uh, for my life. And one of the more significant disappointments I had during that time was I applied to be the operations manager uh, at Vineyard Leadership Institute. I was attending VLI. I was just about to graduate. They had an opening, and I very much wanted to work there for a variety of reasons. I I wanted to work there, quite honestly, to get my foot in the door uh, for a vocational ministry uh, role. Uh, I wanted to work there because I really believed in the school and and wanted to be helpful to it. I I had already been working there in a variety of volunteer capacities. I really believed that I was a good fit for what they were, uh, the position they were wanting to fill, and that I could actually uh, bring some value to them. And so I interviewed with a person who was my mentor. Uh, The interview went extremely well. Uh, Our discussion ended with him telling me what a good fit he thought I would be for the position. And then he transitioned to talking about how they might be able to make the position financially attractive enough that I would be willing to accept it. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty good end to the uh, pretty good end of the discussion. And so, and so I left there thinking, you know, it's almost a foregone conclusion that they're going to hire me. And so I started waiting. I started waiting to hear back from them, and I kept waiting. And it got to be a little too long, and so I didn't hear anything. And so I called and inquired, and I was told that you know the process just got kind of bogged down. <clears throat> Don't read anything into not hearing back from us just yet, uh, but uh, we're hoping to make a decision soon. So I, I went with that, and then a little more time passed, and it seemed like what was a little too long a period of time passed, and, and so I called and inquired again, and this time I got the response that a lot of things had changed since my last interview, uh, and as it turned out, they were going to organize in a different way than they thought they were going to, and, and the way they were going to do it now did not actually require them to fill the position that I had applied for. All right. Disappointed. My memory isn't precise, but probably somewhere between four to six weeks later, I learned they had hired someone for the exact position that I had applied for. Disappointment. Significant (laughs) disappointment. Now, I want to be clear. I don't think they intentionally did anything there. I I think there was just confusion. Um... So, so again, I want to be clear on that point. But I had to guard my attitude. I really had to guard my attitude. After I was rejected for the paid job, they presented a different volunteer opportunity to me. And I had to fight the attitude of, huh, so I'm good enough for the volunteer roles, but not for the paid roles. And so... I faced the temptation to have that attitude, but I didn't give in to it. And thankfully, I didn't, because here's how the story ended. The volunteer opportunity that came to me after being rejected for the paid opportunity was the thing that eventually opened doors 
for me to enter into a vocational ministry role. But the point is, there was serious disappointment along the way. Real struggles to understand what just happened there and how did that happen. Now, let's go deeper into authenticity and transparency, okay? If I can be really transparent with you today, I've experienced a good amount of disappointment as the pastor of this church. All right. (laughs) Let us sink in, breathe deep. I know it's shocking, but we're being real today. I have faced disappointment, and I currently face disappointment with our growth or lack of growth as a church. And I do mean numerical growth. You know, we've hovered around the size we are now for several years. And by the way, if I need to remind you why that is something to struggle with, it is because Christians are supposed to reach more people for Jesus. And while I'm not a believer that a church just has to be on a you know, 20% growth throughout its entire existence, I do think that if we are consistently reaching people for Jesus over time, a church will grow. And so that's why I care that our church grows and, and why it's disappointing uh, when it doesn't. Last year at this time, we looked poised to finally break the 300 barrier as a church. We averaged 290 people a week coming to church in June of 2015. And it looked like we were finally going to break that barrier that it had taken us so long uh, to, to be able to, uh, to get past. Starting last October, it stopped. Stopped. Instead of growing, instead of staying flat, for the first time in our church's history, we started seeing a decrease in our average weekly attendance. People moving, um, other folks leaving for a variety of reasons, some understandable, some regrettable, some disappointing. Since last October, we have had two months as a church where our attendance compared to the same month the previous year was flat. All of the other months since October, the attendance has been down somewhere in the range of six on the low end to 20% on the high end. 20% is a lot of people. In the middle of that, You might remember in February, I shared a five-year vision plan that included doubling our size in the next five years, included getting more active in evangelism. How awesome do you think it is to begin to preach more and more about evangelism and watch the church shrink Awesome. Two thumbs up. I listened to my dad's message while I was gone, and let me just confirm what he said. Every person who leaves the church is like a dagger in the heart of a pastor. Even when people leave well, even when you understand, even when you affirm why they're leaving, it's still very disappointing. 
If that's not enough, let me go deeper into honesty, authenticity, and being real. Are you ready? Can you take a little bit more? Okay. Over the last 11 years, there's starting to be a pretty significant number of people that quite frankly have treated me and sometimes Michelle really badly. We haven't had it to the extent that many pastors have, but we are building up our own inventory of mistreatment. I've had people mock me. I've had people belittle me. I've had people challenge my manhood, which caused me to uh, want to demonstrate that they shouldn't have done that. I've had, I've, had, I've had people tell me their marriage falling apart was my fault. And I've had people who totally wrecked their lives inform me that if I was a better pastor, things probably would have turned out differently for them. It's disappointing. It's painful. And if I had a dollar for every time someone has said to me, now, Brian, I don't necessarily agree with this, but people are saying, and then lay some anonymous criticism on me, I would probably have pretty good seed money to go start a ministry to owls on the top of a mountain somewhere. Could we just take an offering now? Because I am thinking about (laughs) that possibility. It's no surprise that some estimates suggest upwards of 1,500 pastors per month throw in the towel and do something else. And I know what you're thinking right now. Didn't he just get back from vacation? (laughs) My goodness, you'd think after a couple of weeks of vacation, the guy would be a little bit more upbeat. I mean, I would have expected this message before vacation, not after vacation. Actually, I'm fine, but the topic today is disappointment, and so I'm sharing some of my disappointments. And here's one final one I'll share, and then I'll get to some of the answers, some of the advice that I have about dealing with disappointment, and on this one, we have all lived this one together. Over the past few years, we have lost a number of very precious people from our congregation who died way too young. Every single one of them, we prayed for them to be healed. And even though my understanding of the already but the not yet of the kingdom of God helps me to deal with the disappointments when people we love are not healed, the disappointment is still quite profound. And one of those we lost was Sean Cahall, who was actually a pretty good friend of mine. Sean was a man who was a huge source of encouragement to me personally. He was a man who always had a good sense of humor, always helped to lighten the atmosphere wherever he was. He was one of the good guys in life. It just shouldn't happen. It shouldn't be that way. And we can tell that same story multiple times. And I could say similar kind things Uh, of every single person. When you pray for healing and the healing you get is the ultimate kind, 
rather than the kind that keeps them here with us, it's disappointing. Losing someone you love, as all of us have personally and as we have together, it's disappointing. All of us face disappointment in life. No one escapes it. It is our common experience. Do you realize that everyone that we come in contact with in our daily lives is very likely dealing with some type of disappointment in their lives? It might be a low-level disappointment. It might be a really profound disappointment. But almost everybody you interact with is dealing with disappointment. And I think we'd all be a little kinder, we'd be a little gentler with each other, with folks that we just interact with throughout our daily lives, if we could remember that about each other. I encourage you to do that. Just keep, keep in your mind this week, everybody that I'm interacting with is facing some type of disappointment in their life. So this series is about the best advice of those of us who have been preaching. And so hopefully I wanted to let you know, in case you had assumed that my life was a charmed one and everything had always gone my way, I wanted you to know differently. I haven't shared the worst of my disappointments because they're too personal. And I realize that many of you have faced much worse disappointments in life than I have. But I have faced enough disappointments in my life that I have given this topic a good bit of thought. And what I share over the next few minutes and the next week or two is my best advice from the Bible on dealing with disappointment. There are four biblical responses to disappointment that I want to highlight from the scriptures that make up my advice to you on this topic. And here's the one for today. When you face disappointment, it is vitally important to pray. That's the first fill in the blank on your outline. And to think on good things. Disappointment comes your way, pray and think on good things. If you're familiar with the Bible, you probably know where I'm headed without even looking at the outline. Here's what Philippians chapter four, verses four through nine say. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. There's a lot in there. I just want to highlight a few things today. Paul tells us, don't be anxious. Everything Paul writes in these verses is in the context of facing things in life that can cause anxiety that can cause us to be anxious. You realize the things that disappoint us are almost always things that cause anxiety in our lives. Passed over for a job, relational conflict, unkind words being spoken to us. 
And so within the context of things that can cause us to have anxiety, Paul assures us of something really wonderful. Paul says, he reminds us, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Friend, in all of the circumstances of our lives, in the most disappointing moments of life, in the most difficult moments of life, here is a true thing. The Lord always has been, he is today, and he always will be near to you. The Lord is near. He is near when we sense that he's near. He's near when we sense his presence. But the Lord is also near to us when we do not realize that he's near. He is near to us when we do not sense his presence. There are no qualifiers on this. It is just a statement of fact. The Lord is near. And because he's near, because he's involved, and because he cares, when we're facing disappointment, we need to turn to him. We need to talk to him. We ought to pray as our response to disappointment. Prayer should be our first response to everything in life it especially should be our first response to something like disappointment. In prayer, we can express our frustrations to the Lord. We can admit our hurts. We, we, we can present our request to God. God, give me strength right now. God, this disappointment is, is really troubling me. God, I, I, I feel like I've been punched in the gut here. Uphold me by your strong right hand. Sustain me through this difficulty. I know prayer is obvious advice to give, but just because it's obvious doesn't mean we do it. How many of us, if we examine our lives, could honestly say, when I'm faced with disappointment, the first thing that I do is turn to the Lord in prayer. And yet that's what we need to do. To deal with disappointment well, to face disappointment in a God-honoring way, we always need to respond to it by turning to God in prayer. And then the text gives us other excellent advice that is so helpful when disappointment visits us. Here's what it says. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Ha- have you in your own experience realized How much disappointment can mess with your mind? Disappointment can totally screw up your thinking. Disappointment can convince you that everything in your life is horrible. When in reality, one thing is horrible. And a whole bunch of other things are pretty good. Disappointment can convince you that your entire life is awful. When in reality, any objective observation of your life would say, it's a pretty good life. It's so important when we're facing disappointment that we take captive the thoughts that tempt us to conclude wrong things and instead remind ourselves of all the good things. We need to discipline our minds when we're disappointed to think on good things, true things, noble things, right, admirable things, excellent and praiseworthy things. 
Now, I'll readily admit today that I'm preaching to myself. I need to do better about this, but I can stand in front of you today with complete integrity and say that this is something I have put into practice in my own life. I, I need to do it more, but I have put this into practice and I have seen the benefit of putting this into practice. Let, let me just share a few things with you. When, when I was overlooked for that job that I told you about, I remembered, I reminded myself what a blessing it was that I already had a job, that, that I wasn't turned down for a job while I was out of work. I was turned down for a job while I actually had work. I reminded myself of that. I reminded myself that the job I had was a pretty good job. I chose to focus on the fact that my current salary was likely very much better than the one that I would have had at the new position, even if they had sweetened the pot for me. Stupid job, wasn't going to pay anything anyway. <laughs> Good God-honoring thoughts. Didn't want to work with those ridiculous people. Won't pay anything. So I, I folk, I, I, I didn't actually think that. That was a joke. I, I had a temptation to think that. But I tried to keep it, you know, appropriate. When I face disappointment over how someone has treated me, I think about all the people who are so kind and so encouraging. I think about people like Kathy Smellick and Marlene Spangler. I think about people like George and Carol Norton. And of course, all of you. <laughs> when I find myself disappointed with our fruitfulness of, as a church, I remind myself of all the good fruit we have seen as a church. I remind myself of Bill Sharon, who describes himself in his past life as a pretty mean guy, which I really can't imagine. And now he can't talk about the Lord without getting a tear in his eye. I remind myself of Mole Molinar, kind of same story as Bill, describes himself as being a pretty rough guy at one time in his life. And like Bill, now he has a very tender heart toward the things of the Lord. And in both cases, you cannot find more helpful people anywhere, more encouraging people anywhere. I remind myself of Ellen Grinsfelder, who gave her life to Jesus several months ago, admits that she has a lot of questions, admits that there's a lot of things about faith that she's not so sure about, but she is so sure of her encounter with Jesus that she's decided to walk with him while she continues to ask him the questions. And I'm encouraged by these things. I remind myself of all the kids who go home and tell their parents how much they liked flight school. I remember that that investment made by faithful teachers in this church will yield fruit over the lifetime of those kids and that that fruit will continue throughout eternity. Amen. I remind myself of that. And I could go on and on with the good fruit we've experienced as a church. And so when disappointment comes, I think on good things. I, I think on these true things. 
when I'm disappointed that so many people don't seem to value church attendance, I remind myself of all of the people who are so faithful, the ones who show up every week, not out of obligation, but because they love God and because they love the people of God. And when I'm disappointed that a prayer wasn't answered, that a loved one passed, I remind myself of the blessing it was to be able to have that person in our lives. The blessing it was to be able to to give love to that person. The blessing it was to have been able to have received love from them. The, The ways that they enriched our lives. And I go on and I remind myself of this truth that death is not the last word over the life of anybody that we have lost. Jesus has the last word over everybody who has passed and the words that Jesus speaks over them are these, eternal life. I remind myself of that. Friend, if you're here today dealing with disappointment, whether it's sort of a low-level disappointment or if it is a deep and profound disappointment, I appeal to you today to turn to the Lord in prayer. And I appeal to you today to discipline yourself, discipline your mind to begin to think on good, true, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy things. Philippians tells us that when we do these things, the peace of God will be with us. And his peace that passes understanding will guard our hearts and minds. If you need peace today, if disappointment is troubling you today, pray. Think on good things. The peace of God will be with you. Now let me make a recommendation that will bring together these two ideas of praying and thinking on good things. I want to suggest to you today that every time that you go to the Lord in prayer, you begin your prayer with at least a few minutes of praise. I mean, there's no rule that says you have to do this. I mean, you know, God's not going to refuse to listen to you if you don't start out that way. But, but I think it's a great practice to spend the first few minutes of your communication with God praising him. After all, there is nothing There is no one that is as true, noble, right, pure, and admirable as him. There is nothing and no one who is as excellent and praiseworthy as him. And so especially when you're disappointed, I encourage you to start out your prayer to God with praise. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for the beautiful world that you created and you have privileged me to live in this world. God, I thank you that you love me enough to send Jesus to die for my sins. God, I thank you that you've given me your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that you've placed me in a community of believers that may not always love me perfectly, but I do know that they love me. God, I thank you for salvation. I, I thank you for the promise of eternal life with you. God, I thank you that even though I don't understand all your ways, you've given me your word and your word assures me that 
in the end, everything is going to be okay. That every wrong is going to be made right. That every tear is going to be wiped away. As we turn to the Lord in our disappointment, as we think on good things, as we praise God and reflect on his majesty, disappointment begins to fade. Or or at least it's put in its proper perspective. And peace and hope and joy begin to return. And so if you're disappointed today, I hope you'll receive this biblical counsel. I, I hope that you'll respond to disappointment with prayer and thinking on good things. And I know that if you do that, God will keep his word. And you can begin to experience the peace of God in a new, fresh, and reassuring way. And we want to give you a chance to put this to practice today, uh, even before we leave. So why don't you guys go ahead and stand?